The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning. Pardon me there. Oh, <laughs> got a cough all of a sudden. If you'd like to check us out online, yet yeah, the the coronavirus guys are going to drop in behind me any moment now. <laughs> SonsofLibertyRadio.com, SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the show, you can go to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. Scroll down right there on the right, and you'll be able to see the video portion going there. Some people said they couldn't hear. Well, it may be that it's muted. All you got to do is hit that little X on the speaker icon and that'll bring up the sound okay uh, you can also check that out on twitter at fpp tim fpp tim on twitter our periscope account is setting brush fires and we're live streaming there as well as our facebook account bradley dean sol youtube is b dean sons of liberty we're on before it's news.com right now front page right there and then dlive.tv at the sons of liberty and if you want to check out where we post articles not only on SonsLibertyMedia.com, but also Spreely Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life. Uh, check us out there at Sons of Liberty or Sons of Liberty Media. Now, I've, for the day, for today's show, there's one question that all Americans, if you're listening right now, you're all Americans, right? Not a hyphenated American, you're an American. I don't care where you came from. Or if you were born here as a native, you know, all of us are not immigrants. Some of us were born here. We're natives. We're, we're, not, we're not immigrants. Our parents or our grandparents or great-grandparents or other people might have been, but we're not. And in all of this, we're all Americans. And so this show has been about American government, which is supposed to be based upon biblical government, the laws of God. In fact, I've read to you from 1983 where the Congress decided to have a resolution, and the president at that time, Ronald Reagan, signed it, stating that the Bible was the foundation for our government and for our laws. That's indisputable. You can sit here and argue it all you want to, but it's indisputable. The history the history's there. It's just there. Okay? So what's happened to us as a nation that we have 
moved away from God to the point that we'll need to ask the, answer this question that I'm going to give by the end of the show. You say, well, why can't you just get to the point? Well, because there's a couple of things I want to get to first before I start down the road. Look, as somebody who's been a teacher, you lead people to a certain understanding. You lead them, you put things in their mind to think about when you're trying to address something because what we want people to do or what I want people to do is I want, oh, that's great to hear, Adam. Adam said he's gone from an agnostic leaning atheist to a believer now. Great, great. Good to hear. Good to hear. Praise the Lord. The The thing is, is this. I want people to come to their own conclusion. I can't beat the truth into somebody's head. I can't. The, the scriptures doesn't allow me to do that. Now, some religions, they'll use the sword, won't they? Uh, the scriptures speak of the sword of the word of God, and so we give the gospel. And that's what we seek to have people converted by, is the word of God. But before I do that, let me give you two things before we get into this, okay? I'm just kind of setting it up for you because everybody's wondering, well, what is this question that you're going to ask? Well, it's a simple one. And it's one you probably have already answered to some respect or another, okay? And I probably, I'm probably i hoping that my friend David Rizzolotti, he's an author, uh, is going to join me around 5.30 or so for a few minutes as he's driving into work. Uh, we talked a little bit last night, and hopefully he's going to join me in this because I'm going to reference some of the things that he wrote when I get into that. But I want to give you one story and one commentary before I get into that because I think this is kind of interesting. Yesterday, I ran across a um, a short news clip. It was on Fox News. I, again, I don't watch television or broadcast news or any of this stuff. Wherever I get something from, I get it from usually uh, going on uh, YouTube. I'll see something there or in an article, and I'll go get the larger version of whatever the interview is or stuff like that. And there's this guy. I can't. I, I hope I pronounce his name correctly. Sean Fucht. I'm not sure, F-E-U-C-H-T. And um, he's out on the West Coast. He leads some people who are joining, and their theme is Riots to Revival. They're showing up in places like Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington. And um, they've been having outdoor worship services despite the orders of social distancing, mask wearing, all this other nonsense. And Sean has a great, the, the team is called Let Us Worship. He had a great line the other day, the church has the ability to change the narrative. Amen, they do. In fact, they should be setting the narrative. There should be, they should be setting the narrative. But in a large way, they've been sitting back. Some of them have even just been off the play field, uh, off the playing field. Okay. And so he talked about the good news he had to share. Now, look, I'm just going to tell you, uh, it was a good interview. I'm just going to play just a short bit of this, okay? Because it's only about two minutes, just to hear, I guess, some good news for a change. All right, here it comes. A missionary taking his fight for faith on the road, Let Us Worship, began on California's beaches last month in defiance of the state's lockdown orders. Now it's spreading to Portland, where the movement saw their largest gathering yet, the organizer working to bring a message of hope to cities rocked by violence. He joins me now with more. 
Welcome, Sean Foyt. Sean, thanks for being here. I remember inviting you back because you said, I'm going to Portland. And I said, <laughs> you got to tell me how it's going. Tell me what you saw uh, in Portland. Man, I took you at your word. I, I am excited to share with you some good news from Portland. Excellent. Last night we gathered thousands of people that, that came together. The church showed up in Waterfront Park. And uh, we don't have the, the total estimates. Somewhere between four and 7,000 is what they're estimating. And uh, we gathered together, white, black, Hispanic. We, we came, we released our song of hope over the city. Uh, people gave their life to Jesus, hundreds of people. We baptized people in the river behind us. And I mean, it was so much joy that, that, that took over the streets of that city last night. That's amazing. Uh, and it's twofold. I mean, first and foremost, the message of Jesus Christ and the salvation message and the things that are central to what you do. But you've also been calling for pastors to get politically involved. And in Portland, we've seen riots and violence. There's been lockdowns. The church has been treated very in a very different way than riots. What was your message to the group about that as well? Because I presume you were in defiance of some lockdown order with this event. Well, our, our tagline for, for, for last night was riots to revival, which we're also hmm. carrying with us into Seattle tonight. And we just believe that the church has the ability to change the narrative. You know, all of America has just seen these buildings burning and they've seen this destruction and this violence. And the news, the mainstream media seems to be infatuated with this. But I'm telling you, there's another story of what God is doing in these cities and the church is rising up. The church and faith so badly needed. Sean, my producers told me not to make any more impromptu invites, so I can't promise, but I have a feeling we will hear, <laughs> we will hear from you again because this feels like the beginning of a movement and something very big. Sean, thank you uh, so much for what you're doing for faith uh, and to get politically involved, which is what we need more people of faith doing. Sean Foyt, thank you so Amen. much. Good luck in Seattle. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. So I'm corrected on his name, Sean Foyt. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I just I didn't catch the name there before. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what message he's bringing, and this gives me some pause, okay? But I can tell you this. The people are not cowards who are gathering here. There were uh, in Seattle, and I can show you some of the, the footage here. These are some of the images that and you can check these out on SonsLibertyMedia.com of the thousands of people who came out for this. Okay, and could it be a modern gospel that which is no gospel at all? Yes, it really could. I, I don't know. I tried to contact Sean because I'd, I'd like to see uh, before I bring him on the show. But I can tell you this. He had his family out there. He had his wife. He had his kids, all these thousands of people out there. And at one point in Seattle, uh, knife wielding Satanists showed up threatened them, tried to get on stage, destroy equipment, and all of that. There is even a video on here. It's got a little language in it, but it's being taken by somebody who says, no matter how much I heckle them, and they didn't use the word heckle, no matter how much he heckled at them, they just continued to have more and more joy and be louder and louder and louder. It was like it was driving them on. And, um, you know, I got to say, you're being persecuted there. And you're being persecuted by those of the enemy, openly against or for the enemy. Seems to me like that's a good thing. Um, so I don't want to write it off, but there is a, it seems that there is a good message. There is somebody who wants somebody to hear about Jesus. Maybe they need correction like Apollos did in the book of Acts. 
uh, a little tweaking of their message. I don't know. Uh, but that's a good, that was some good news that I saw. The other thing is I want to bring to your attention before we get into asking this question that every American has to be asked to answer. All right? And that's the issue. We're already seeing some of the political discussion going on in the chat rooms, by the way. And part of that is tied to the next commentary. Dr. Ron Paul puts out a commentary that we carry every Monday at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. His is among the handful of them that every week I actually look forward to reading because it always comes from a different perspective than all of the things that we constantly get. Okay. Here's what he has to write, uh, and he, he calls it, Coronavirus is the new terrorism. Okay, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has proposed the next multi-trillion dollar coronavirus relief spending bill that will support testing, tracing, treatment, isolation, and mass policies that have been part of a national strategic plan she has been advocating. The Trump administration is not opposing Pelosi's plan on principle. Instead, it's haggling over the price. Did you get that? Let me, let me say it again. The Trump administration is not opposing Pelosi's plan on principle, or I would say on constitutional law. Instead, they're haggling over how much socialism they're going to engage in. Okay. They're, they're arguing over how much socialism they're going to engage in. And by the way, I've seen some comments saying, oh, we can't choose communism over here. Well, wait a minute. What do you call the Trump administration's Treasury Department buying up securities? What do you call that? That is the textbook definition of communism. All right? Just so you know. And basically, though, what you are choosing from, and we're going to get to this in just a little bit, you're choosing either fascism in one, in one hand or a communism in the other. And with the fascists, you get a mixed bag of stuff. I mean, you just get a mixed bag of things, including communism. And, all. and remember something. I'll just point this out. I'm not comparing Trump to Hitler. I'm not doing that. Remember that Hitler was the National Socialist, and they were opposed to the communists. Right? Just remember that. Just remember it. Okay? All right. Let me continue with what Dr. Paul says here. Even if the strategic plan could be implemented at little or no monetary cost, it would still impose an unacceptable cost in lost liberty. Pelosi's plan will lead to either a federal mask mandate or federal funding of state and local mask mandate enforcement. Those who resist wearing masks could likely be reported to the authorities by government-funded mask monitors. We can label this the Stasi approach to health policy after the infamous East German secret police. Contact tracing. Now look, you people want to point this at Democrats? Remember who, who put the tracing issue off on somebody? Donald Trump. He put it off on his son, Jared Kushner. 
to develop the tracing. By the way, Jared is real tight with the guys in Israel, and Israel is working our election stuff. In case you haven't checked it out, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, see the lengthy documented reports where Israeli companies are working in our elections. Okay? But Jared Kushner is the one who's been put in the position of dealing with all this tracing. You better wake up. It's not just the Democrats, guys. It's not just the Democrats. Ron Paul continues, The strategic plan could eventually include Bill Gates's and Anthony Fauci's suggestion that individuals receive digital certificates indicating they are vaccinated for or immune to coronavirus. Now remember, the Trump administration is not opposing this on principle. They're opposing the price. They're haggling over the price. I told you. I told you. Okay? He continues, a certificate would be required before an individual can go to work, to school, or even to the grocery store. Now again, you've heard my commentary on the mark of the beast. This is not that. That was in the first century. There has a thing. But this is an application of it for sure. When the people abandon their God wickedly, God sends them wicked rulers, and in our case, Republican and Democrat, both, to judge them. Yes, God put Donald Trump in, in office. Yes, God put Barack Hussein Obama, Satoru Sabarka in office for the same reason, to judge us. To judge us. And here we go. Not going to go to work, not going to go to school, ain't going to the grocery store unless you got this um, digital certificate. This is what they're proposing here. Dr. Paul continues, the need to demonstrate vaccination for or immunity to coronavirus in order to resume normal life would cause many people to voluntarily receive a potentially dangerous coronavirus vaccine. Not just that, guys. I told you yesterday, um, I've been trying to get Dell Bigtree on the show for a while, and I can't. Uh, we went through Mike Adams because they're friends, and he passed on the information, but I hadn't heard from Dell yet. But Dell's filed a lawsuit. So they will not believe, or so they will not um, go through with a quick vaccine, this Operation Warp Speed that Trump's in charge of. But by law, they have to extend it out and have actual human testing, placebos and such. Okay? The Trump administration has already spent billions of dollars to support efforts of companies. That's called fascism, guys. Okay? Public-private partnerships, that's what this is. It's unconstitutional, it's unlawful. Policymakers, or these companies, are to develop a coronavirus coronavirus vaccine. Policymakers have stated that once a vaccine is developed, it will be rushed into production onto the market. Supporters of expediting production and use of a vaccine should remember the 1976 swine flu vaccine debacle. The swine flu vaccine was rushed into production in response to political pressure to, quote-unquote, do something. To do something. 
the result was a vaccine that was more the danger than the flu. Unfortunately, those who raise legitimate concerns regarding the safety of vaccines are smeared as conspiracy theorists. This is the equivalent of stating that anyone who dares criticize our our interventionist foreign policy hates freedom, is probably a terrorist sympathizer, blah, 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 blah. He goes on, the coronavirus pan- panic has given new life to the push for a unique patient identifier. The unique patient identifier was authorized in 1996, but appropriations bills since 1998 have contained a provision forbidding the federal government from developing and implementing the identifier. Unfortunately, two weeks ago, the House representatives voted to repeal the ban. The unique patient identifier would aid government efforts to track and vaccinate every American, as well as to infringe in other ways on liberty in the name of health. Politicians and bureaucrats cannot eliminate a virus any more than they can eliminate terrorism. What they can do is use terrorism, a virus, and other real exaggerated and manufactured crises to expand their power at the expense of our liberty. Politicians will never resist the temptation to use crises as excuses to gain more power. And it's up to those of us who know the truth to spread the message of liberty and grow the liberty movement. A strong liberty movement is the one thing that can force the politicians to stop stealing our liberty while promising phantom security from terrorists and viruses. Amen, Dr. Ron Paul. Now, here's the thing. Trump has told you, oh, these vaccines are not going to be mandatory. We're getting 500 million of them by January or something. That's what we're told. He's mobilizing the military. Oh, but we're not going to make them mandatory. Well, here's the question I have. If they come to this deal... On this thing, it's going to be unconstitutional. It's already unconstitutional. The first stimulus was unconstitutional. Let me tell you what Trump's going to do. He's going to sign it and give some excuse. Well, I had to do it. The American people needed it. And then he's going to say, oh, well, this is the law. You have to be vaccinated. You have to have this. It wasn't my de- It was the Democrats. See, so he's going to put it off on them when he has the power of the veto. I'm just telling you, this is how the game's played. This is how this man operates. If you watch the Axios interview. It was pitiful. Guy's asking him a direct question. He goes on and on about how great we are, how great this is, how wonderful he is, how he's all this stuff, how every choice he's made has been the right one. All this, I mean, all about himself. And it's not about the law. And that's the issue. Just hang on, Adam. This is the same guy that says Roe v. Wade is law. It's not. This is the same guy that says it's okay for sodomites to get married. It's law. No, it's not. I'm telling you how it's going to work itself out. It's going to be worked out so that the, the it's off of him, but he's going to go along with it. You just watch and see. If he's even in the White House, I don't know. He said we probably aren't going to see him very much. All right, with that said, I've got my friend David Rizzolata on the line, and uh, I'm going to... Look on here. Good morning, David. Hey, Tim. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Good. Okay. All right. So, David, I'm going to have to bring up a picture here. I should have um, uh, did this before everything so that people watching will know who David is. 
And uh, one of the things that, David, you wrote here that I wanted to touch on today is the question that must be answered. It's one question that must be answered. And um, you wrote a, a brief poem here. And it's called, uh, well, I don't know that you had a little title, but it's just a, a couple of lines here. I'm going to read this to the people. I had woken this morning from a dream so strange. I had dreamt the world was different. It somehow had changed. Just how glorious can this beautiful world be to find out you must become the change you wish to see? Now, tell me a little bit about, I'm going to find a picture here, and I want you to tell people a little bit about what you're thinking, but I want you to save the question that you asked at the end till we get to the end. Uh, tell me what you what you were thinking with uh, listening to uh, something from Michael Savage. Well, it's just, uh, it just seems like we put too much faith in, in the politicians that we vote for to solve our problems and fix our country when, you know, that's our responsibility. You know, liberty is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to maintain freedom. And every four years we vote for whoever we think is going to make our country better. Then we forget about it and fight amongst uh, one another over who we voted for and then do it again four years later. So it's just, it just seems to me we need to take more responsibility for our own actions and, and live the lives that, that we think are, are going to, you know, tend to, to lead us towards the country that we want. We need to be the change that we want to see. Okay. I no, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, no, I can hear you. I agree with that. Now, you, you come to that understanding, I get it, but kind of give people some of what you wrote in this article. You talked about listening to Michael Savage on Friday, and you said Savage was instrumental in rallying the conservative base to get out and vote for Donald Trump in 2016. However, he is expressing some doubt as of late, and this is from your article on Sunday. He's expressing some doubt as of late whether those same people can be counted on to prevent Joe Biden's vice presidential pick from becoming president. You talk about the Republican Party being split, um, several things. Can you go down through some of your thought process on this so that we get sort of to the question here? Yeah, I think right now the Republican Party is uh, pretty divided, pretty split. I think um, so many people that put so much faith in Donald Trump to, to fix everything. And then there's some of us sitting here on the sidelines that just kind of see the man for who he is. And one of the questions that goes through my mind all the time is what is it that Donald Trump can do in the next election that he hasn't already been able to do in this term to, uh, well, to quote unquote, save the country from the left. Because that's what we, but that's what we voted for him for in the first place, was to save the country from the policies enacted by Barack Obama and the fear of Hillary Clinton. Um, what is it can, that he can do in the next election that he couldn't have already done already? Especially considering that he had the House and the Senate in the first part of his presidency. One of the things that I find most disturbing is if you remember all the way back. 2017 when he signed that first omnibus bill, he signed that with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer in the White House 
and excluded any Republicans from any negotiations. I mean, that that told me who the man was way back then. But nobody uh, wants to pay attention to that. I don't know if you remember that. No, I absolutely do. And then he also promised, oh, I'll never do it again. I only done it. It was a national security issue. And then he did it again. And he did it again. And he signed right. every bill right. they've sent him. He sent every... He, I don't, he hasn't vetoed one. And he said he was going to fight for the people. And I think he did that for what? Right. Maybe two weeks or something. Uh, I don't even think it was to the extent yeah. that they did when uh, old Barry stuck up the barricades up there. I don't even think he held out as long as the Republicans did then. But yet, here's what was going on. And, and, and yet, what did he do? He ended up violating the Constitution with that omnibus bill. So did, look, so did Pelosi and so did Schumer. Okay? Right. Folks, I mean, this is, this is all sides. In fact, the interesting thing, David, um, is let's move forward to the one signed this year, the stimulus bill. That monster, I mean, it's the biggest spending bill I've ever ever heard of. Right. He, he signs that. Yeah. And Thomas Massey, who's one of the few people who's actually a true constitutionalist, he votes constitutionally, he called it out because he had supported it in January of 2019 because the bill was not about coronavirus. It was about changing some things in the IRS, the, the tax code. And that thing sat there from like July of last year till March of this year. They went and basically gutted the thing and dumped all that spending in there. It was corporate welfare. It was for bankers. It was for businesses. Um, and everybody else got a $1,200 check. All of it's unconstitutional. Okay, all of it. And yet, he, he does that after he said he wouldn't do stuff like that. He continues to do it. And... It's amazing to me that people don't see it, and, they say, and they're like that, that little child that goes, please, sir, can I have another? I, I know you said you're going to do this for me, but can I have another of what you're dishing out, which is something different than that? Yeah. You know, I've, I've come to the opinion that, uh, you know, when you, when you study a lot about stimulus response mechanisms like B.F. Skinner, operant conditioning, you come to realize that whatever whatever way you respond to what the government is doing to you, they learn from that and you're basically giving them permission to keep doing it if you accept it. You know, so it's like we accept a mask mandate. We, all around the country, people are wearing masks because the government told them to. And, and how, what's going to happen now when uh, they come out and they say, well, we're going to have a mandatory gun buyback? These people really think they're going to be able to resist that when they don't even try to resist a mask mandate. Whatever you respond to when, when, when government does something, they learn from it and they build on it and they learn how to manipulate you more. That's just all there is to it. I mean, they, they can get you to follow whatever dangling carrot they throw out in front of you. That's why you, gotta, you have to have a spirit of resistance to almost everything that they do. You have to question everything they do or else they're just going to take advantage of you that's their nature that's my opinion no i think i think you're exactly right and david you've been one of the few people and i've always you know david you and i've been working together for what uh i don't know about eight years or so together uh since freedom outpost yeah, it's and, been a while. yeah and so one of the things i always appreciated about you was you took what you had learned in the system because you were going through to work in the social 
and this um, what is that? So you you were going to be a social worker. You wanted to actually help people, and they wouldn't give you they wouldn't give let you graduate and stuff because you wouldn't buy into their Alinsky tactics, and you would debate them over it right. and you would put it back in their face. And so you know how they play. And so when somebody reads a David Rizzolatta article, they're not going to read. It's not going to read like Town Hall. It's not going to read like Breitbart. It's not going to read like uh, whatever your neoconservative kind of thing is. It's going to be somebody who actually points out what people are doing, both sides of the aisle, and how they're, how they're using whatever they're doing to manipulate the people. Now, Dave, in case people are wondering, David does write at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, but he's also an author. He's written two books, Not On My Watch, which you can get from Amazon. You can pick it up in uh, paperback, and I think you have it in Kindle as well. And then also Psychopolitics in America and Nation, Nation Under Conquest. So some of you guys are wondering, well, what's he talking about about this conditioning? What is he talking about this learning this thing and using it against the people? You can find that out in his books, and you can see it in his articles. Every article David goes down through, and he cites the people in history who have said the things that they're using on us here in America. Right, David? Yeah, I try to. One of the big ones is uh, B.F. Skinner, and interestingly, one of the quotes that he's got that is in uh, Beyond Freedom and Dignity, which is a book he wrote, is pretty fitting for today when it comes to the masks and all that, and he says that people can become so entranced by supporting whatever movement that they're supporting um, because of the moral superiority it gives them the the feelings of you know virtue virtueness um that 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 product itself becomes their controlling mechanism you know what I'm, i wish i had the quote right in front of me because i, I i'm terrible at, at reciting quotes um verbally but uh, basically the masks are controlling people because they it makes them feel like they're 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 acting out of some sense of virtue, um, and, and see they know this stuff. They they knew that about human behavior when they came out and and did the whole mass thing to begin with. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember a couple articles I wrote about the mask mandate. There was a study done that where they they actually did a study to determine how easy it would be to get people to wear masks. And the people's susceptibility to how how threatened they were by a disease and so forth and so on. All of this stuff was studied in 2014. So when 2020 came around and coronavirus came around, they already knew. They already knew that most people would fall right in line with these mask mandates. And, you know, human behavior is a science. And, and they've been studying us like animals for the past 100 years. You know, and and that's the scary thing to me. You know. No, I, I agree. I agree. It is. Let me let me read here a section of your article and get you to comment on it because I know you're you're driving and uh, some of the I, I don't have the Skinner quote in there obviously, but here's something that that David uh, had written. And this kind of jumps off of what you brought him in to go. What can Donald Trump do in a second term to reverse or stop what has occurred over the past four years? The reality that must be faced right now is of two possibilities. One, Donald Trump is not the strong leader people thought he was, or he's controlled opposition. 
which is what I think he is. I, I, that's what I think he is. The truth is he can yeah. do nothing that he has not already been able to do. A Trump victory in November will not stop the tide of communism that is engulfing our nation because he is in, enabling it whether he knows it or not. And then he, and then you wrote, this is the truth that people refuse to see, a truth that has been self-evident since the beginning of Trump's presidency. The first bill he signed was the omnibus spending bill, which was the concoction of Pelosi and Schumer. The Republicans controlled the House and Senate at the time and were completely excluded from the negotiations, as you said earlier. Trump and Schumer have been longtime friends, and Trump donated large sums of money to both his and Pelosi's campaigns during the Obama years. After signing the bill, he stood in front of God and country and promised to never do it again. Since that time, he signed every spending bill, just like I said a minute ago, every piece of legislation that increases the power of the state, and zero bills that secured the blessings of liberty. And it's not to say that he hasn't done some things that are worthwhile. But it does seem like he's advancing the very Democrat agenda that he claims that he's opposed to. David? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it's... uh. I, I, I've been asking people lately, you know, I take a lot of slack on Facebook, you know. Matter of fact, on that article I wrote, I was called a milksop patriot. <laughs> and if you look up the word milksop, it means cowardly or pansy-like or lacking courage. And, well, you know, it certainly doesn't take a lot of courage to just follow along the narrative and, 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 and parody popular opinion, you know. So that's really not a word that's fitting for me. But anyway... Where was I going with that? It, 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 I've been asking people, what bills has Trump signed to to advance liberty? You know, because if you look back at all the bills that he has signed, he is he he continually reauthorizes the National Defense Authorization Act, and in some cases, I think they've gotten a little worse. You know, he he advances the surveillance state. He keeps spending money like he's a Democrat. You know, um, there's just there's been nothing that he's done. That, that secures liberty. You know, you, you you can bring up the methodology in which he implemented the bump stock ban to your most ardent Second Amendment supporters, and they don't want to hear it. You know, you could tell them that he the ATF now has the power to go into existing law and change definitions to fit their needs because that's what they did in the bump stock ban with Donald Trump's approval, and they don't want to hear it. You know, they, they, they're going to call you names and... And uh, like I said yesterday, I was totally berated for uh, that article I wrote. Uh, it was pretty funny, actually. But yeah, I, I don't. I, to this day, I haven't gotten an answer. I've been asking this question for a long time. What has Trump done to advance liberty? Nothing. Instead of getting answers, I get called names, and that's where we are. Yeah, and, and it's not to pick on Trump. Look, there's there's been other presidents who've done the same thing. They'll tell you one thing. I mean, l- let's take George W. Bush for instance. Uh, George W. Bush tells you yeah. that he's there. Oh, we're going to fight the terrorists. We're going to you know, protect you. You're going to have security. Oh, by the way, we're going to toss in this massive uh, tyrannical Patriot Act in the midst of it, too. We're going to drop that bomb right on you. Um, and you're going to have to take your shoes off. And you, we might have to check your underwear. We might have to check your, 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 your Depends or your colostrum bag or you know all this stuff when you go get on board a plane. It's, it's for your own good. It's for your safety because we love you and care about you so much. 
It's funny to me, David, a government that sanctions the murder of the unborn in the womb cares about our health so much. And you're right. They're, now they're pushing the thing, oh, you need to wear a mask because we care about you so much. While we take your money and we put you, what, $8.5 trillion in debt? Um, while, while, while we fund our friends in Wall Street, while we fund our banksters that have bought us out, hello, Donald Trump, in the 90s, while we, while we fund uh, corporations uh, with the people's money and we stick that debt on the people's backs, unconstitutionally, all of it's lawless. And, if, and here's the thing, David, here's the thing. You and I have talked about this before. If a Democrat was doing this, the people who claim to be on our side would be having a herd of cows, wouldn't they? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I firmly believe that more than half of the stuff that Donald Trump has done would have been vigorously opposed by, by the right. And I think... You know, that's the whole funny thing when you, you want to start talking about psychology and Saul Alinsky and all this stuff. Now, this is just speculation, you know. It is. It's speculation. I can't prove this beyond any reasonable doubt. But, you know, Hillary Clinton wrote her college thesis on Saul Alinsky, and the main point of that thesis was how to change government from within. The title of the thesis was There is Only the Fight. You know, and that kind of that kind of uh, rings rings a tone with um, Cloward and Piven, because with Cloward and Piven, it was there's no issue except the revolution. Right. So so Clinton wrote her thesis on Solinsky, how to change the government from within. Well, I'm sorry for all the people that don't want to hear this, but Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were special guests at Donald Trump's wedding. They have been friends for a long time. I do not understand why people were not curious about that when Donald Trump, you know, said that he was going to arrest Hillary Clinton. Well, of course, after he made all those comments and then a couple weeks into his presidency, he started commenting about how how good of a person she was. And so you knew you knew that was all baloney from the get go. But it's my contention. It's very possible when you understand the way uh, the Alinsky tactics work, you know, the way they operate, the morality, the means and ends morality that they carry with them, um, it's completely possible that Donald Trump is more than controlled opposition. It's very possible that he's just in there playing a role, you know, to, to string people along, you know. Then you have to consider the fact that he owed George Soros a lot of money, and George Soros bailed him out of a mezzanine loan uh, that revolved around Trump Towers, I believe. That was published in uh, the National Review back in 2017. Do you remember that? Yep, I sure do. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's all of these things that people just ignore. And then, finally, you know, what really set it off for me was when when he sat right next to Diane Feinstein and on live TV and, and said, take the guns first, go for due process later. And then after that, you had what, 17 States, some Republican that uh, passed red flag laws, you know, um, one after the other, one after the other. And, you know, you would think that there would be a lot of opposition to that, but instead, because we have Hugh in the background, playing this little psychological warfare game to appease the right, 
everybody thinks he's playing some kind of poor D chess game. So my question is, you know, what can Don, what is Donald Trump going to do in the next election? And what can he do to save America that he hasn't been able to do in this term? You know, and, and, and the bigger question beyond that is how did we get to the point in our country, an allegedly Christian nation, how did we get to the point in our country where we accept that we have to vote for the lesser of two evils? Why is there not a man challenging Donald Trump for the presidency? Uh, you know, a man of good moral character. Why? That's my question. Well, I think, you know. they, I think there are men who do it. Let me just address something going in the chat room. Jenny, um, first, I'm wondering why your mom didn't wash your mouth out with soap. Uh, because this is this is part of the problem. This is part of the problem. These people claim that they're Christian, they support a Christian, they support a Christian worldview, and this, that, and the other, and they think Donald Trump is a Christian, and this, that, and the other, and then they get on here, and they act like a bunch of heathens. I mean, they talk like yeah. like their mouth's a sewer. Jenny, call in. Keep your, keep your conversation clean. Call in. 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. If you've got something to bring that we're somehow unenlightened, we're not presenting the truth, we're not presenting the facts, then please, we'll give you time to come in. Um, Adam, how are you not religious but you're a believer? I don't understand that. Uh, we, we've got some strange things going on this morning. I'm really not following what's going on there. Let me give just one of these instances here because I bring this up and people go, no, Trump is really pro-life. Okay, folks, let me just let you know. This came out this year, okay? The fiscal year report for 2018 and 2019 from Planned Parenthood, which does 40% of the abortions in America. I mean, you got to see it. You have to see it, people, okay? This administration signed off on giving more money to Planned Parenthood to murder more Americans than any other administration in our history. This is from their own report. Um, the fiscal year ended June the 30th, 2019. Planned Parenthood indicated they had murdered 345,672 Americans under the most pro under his own self-professed most pro-life president ever. Now you say, well, where are you getting this? Well, right here from the report in Planned Parenthood. You can see the report itself right here on Sons of Liberty. Yeah, it's fake news, Ben. Hey, Ben, 215-867-8255. Be a man. Quit being a coward, guys. Quit being little keyboard warrior you know, trolls and call in if you've got something to refute it. Go ahead, David. You know, Tim, it's very interesting, the abortion thing, because who was it? Was it Kavanaugh that they that they set up in the, in the Congress for the sexual allegation charges yep. in 2018? Was that Kavanaugh or was that the other one? No, that's Kavanaugh. It yep. was Kavanaugh, right? Yeah. Right. So they were putting him through that through that uh, well, for lack of a better term, trauma. I would call it trauma. You know, accusing him of sexual charges and and putting him through these hearings and whatnot. But the interesting thing is and I mentioned this back then, is while all of that was going on, he was meeting with the senators behind the scenes and assuring them that he would not vote against Roe versus Wade because it was already established law. Did you know that? 
Yep, no, I know. He did the same thing that Trump did. He said that, that a Supreme Court ruling is law, and it's not. It has It's for one case and one case only, and that's all it's meant to be. Yeah, and so to me that just kind of that kind of solidifies the fact that a lot of what you see going on over there is nothing but propaganda. All of that was just nothing but a show to distract you from who they really are, to create this illusion of conflict between the left and the right to keep everybody in their perspective little boxes to make sure that we're fighting with each other instead of fighting with them. Yep. You know, and it goes back to what Carol Quigley said in his book. You know, I, I quoted that that one time too, that, that our government is made up of two parties who pretend to argue over all these issues that really have no significance. But when it comes to the issues that carry an agenda forward, foreign policy, money, etc. They're all abortion. They're all on the same they're all on the same page. You know, and it's just nothing but an illusion. It, it's the Hegelian dialectic and practical application. No, you I know I, what I mean? Yep, I completely agree. In fact, um <clears throat> there was a a presidential candidate in in 2004, Michael Peruca, I voted for him from the Constitution Party. We met for lunch one time and he said, "Tim, here's how it works." He said, We've got the Bible. We've got the Bible here. It's the supreme law, and under it, we've got the Constitution. And he says, "What happens is the Democrats and Republicans they go off over here, or they go off over here, one side or the other, and they start talking about things they're not authorized to deal with under the law." And he says, and then they get everybody else talking about it. And before you know it, the people don't even know they're away from the law. They're talking about stuff of giving uh, of giving power to the federal government they shouldn't even have. Healthcare. That's not in the Constitution. Education, that's not in the Constitution. Directing energy, that's not in the Constitution. I mean, David, they've, they've deceived the people into thinking that the federal government is the end-all answer to everything. I believe this began with Abraham Lincoln, and that's this is where we've gone. The, the, the people have slowly been moved towards centralization of power, that the that DC is the only thing that can save them. I'm reading these people online. Trump is our only savior. He's the only one who can save us. No, he's not. That is an unbiblical, un-American viewpoint. I mean, boy, you're talking about asking, and as Bradley says, daring the justice of God. Let me add these couple of things in here before I forget, David. Let me let me add this in because yeah. I think this goes to the point. The people who say they're conservatives, constitutionalists, Republicans, all this, but then they go and they support a guy who's not that. He really isn't that, and it's demonstrated. We've demonstrated it time and time again. Here's the Constitution. Here's what he does. Here's the Constitution. Here's what he does. James tells us in the book of James, yeah. verse one or chapter one, verse eight. He says, "Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." And what does James, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the remedy to that? James tells us in James chapter 4, verse 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I mean, all throughout the scriptures, we're called away from double-mindedness. In fact, Psalm 119 says, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. And I want to ask the question of my friends in the chat room. Look, I consider, I'm gonna, I want you to be my friends. I don't want you to be opposed to me. I want us to be together in this. I think David does too, because David made just the point. They want us to bicker among one another. What we need to do is join together to deal with the criminals in D.C. 
the, the criminal politicians. <clears throat> and the problem is, is that do we love the law and do we love God more than we love the guy wearing the political jersey? That's the question, because if we love the guy more than the political jersey, if we fear the other political party more than we do another one, and that's why we vote, which a lot of people do, then what are we really saying about ourselves? And I think this gets to the thing that you, the question you, you really asked, and that is, how did we get to this point that where we think we have to choose between the lesser of two evils? The great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon said, of two evils, choose neither. God has not commanded right. us to choose any evil. And so by, by succumbing to that uh, mentality, we're just demonstrating the own, our own wickedness, if you will, instead of upholding the principles yeah. that, that, that guard liberty. David? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think by people looking to Donald Trump, you're kind of you're kind of saying that you really don't believe in anything else. If you're putting all your hope in in into one man, I mean, if you're a Christian, how do you put your hope in a, in a man? You know, my hope is in God. You know, I don't understand how you can put your hope in in a man, even even a man that may be more moral or more constitutionally minded or more biblically minded than Donald Trump. He's still a man. You know, we're not going to save our country by putting our faith in men. <laughs> That's uh, just saying it's not going to happen. Like no, I, I completely agree. And it's not that we shouldn't pray for, for those in authority. The Bible tells us, obviously, to do that. Um, and people will say, well, you hate Donald Trump. Well, no, I don't hate Donald Trump. I'm critical of him because of violations of the law. And that we should do. Jesus said that we should judge with righteous judgment. Those of you who say, well, you shouldn't judge me unless you be judged. Well, but go on with what Jesus said. He says you judge with a righteous judgment. Well, what is that? It's holding the standard of the law up to you as well as anybody else. So when I hold the law up to somebody else, I've got to hold it up to me. Do I do I make do I fall short in that too? Sure, I fall short in those things too. But the command there is to what? To repent. So David, we got about thirty seconds hey, here. Uh, we got about thirty seconds here. Yeah. Tell, tell people where they can find out more about you, your blog, and, and your books. Oh, yeah, my blog is uh, www.indefenseofournation.blogspot.com. Um, there's links for my books there. They're just available on Amazon. Um, and then my articles are on, on your website, sonslibertymedia.com. Okay. All right, David, I appreciate you taking time for us today, man. we got to close out the show. Uh, appreciate you very much, and uh, be safe on your way to work there. Thank you for calling in. Guys, thank you for joining us in the chat room. You guys on Red State Talk Radio, we appreciate your support. And uh, 23 hours, we'll be back right into the core Wednesday with the Common Core Diva Lynn Taylor. See ya. <laughs>